Welcome to Making a Scene, an Esplanade podcast about how art gets made. In this episode, we take a look at the different ways history is made on stage. I'm journalist Hong Sin Yi, and I'll be talking to Go Boon Taek, the Chief Artistic Director of theatre company Toy Factory, Nelson Chia, the Artistic Director and Co-Founder of theatre company Nine Years Theatre, and entertainer-turned-executive Sharon Ao. Sharon and Nelson star in Seven Sages of the Bamboo Grove, a play commissioned by Esplanade for the 2020 edition of Hua Yi, Chinese Festival of Arts. It's directed and co-written by Boon Taek and inspired by seven scholars, musicians and poets who lived during China's Three Kingdoms period. This won't be the first time these three artists have tackled stories, settings and characters with ties to the past, but first, let's find out a little more about their personal histories with one another. So maybe we can start with how you guys all first met one another. So Nelson, you auditioned for a Toy Factory production? In fact, it, it was a joint audition. I think Toy was trying to stage three plays. There, there was a joint audition and then they were kind of... Uh, those actors who are shortlisted will be distributed among the three plays, yeah. So in fact, initially I wasn't under Buntik's play. So I was with another director. Is and it Hug the Tree or something? No, no, no. It's no. All My Sons. All My Sons. All My Sons. And we didn't and then, stage that. No, and then the, that play was cancelled. It's cancelled. And then I was seconded over to your oh, play. Or maybe I cancelled it and then so that I can second you over. Probably. Must I be. would think so. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that when you auditioned? 1993, I think. Yeah. Who yeah. was Nelson Chia in 1993? Who? Uh, I was a naval officer. At that moment. So my day job was uh, at the Navy. And then um, nighttime rehearsal. Were you rehearsal. a regular then? I was a regular, regular then, yeah. And then what made you want to try out for this? Him. Explain. Um, try out for this, you mean like like, oh, like, like the audition, you right. mean? Oh, what made you think, oh, maybe I can be an actor or right. performer? I, I didn't think I could be an actor. In fact, the story goes that I, when I went for the audition, I didn't really know what it was about. So I went because my sister, who was on vacation at that moment, said that, hey, there was an audition by this group called Toy Factory. I said, what, what, what is it? And she said, I don't know, let's just go. So, so I went accompanying her to the audition and uh, uh, she didn't get in, I, I got in. So, and, and that started. It's always like that. <laughs> yeah, well, like it's, that. yeah, it's a cliche the, story, yeah. but, but it's true. But it's true. It's, true. it's yeah. always fated like that. What do you remember about each other at that time? Very few such gorgeous young men came to audition. He's just one of the very, very, very few. And he, he, left, a, he, he left an impression that we all, like, I think three different directors, maybe on three different plays you were talking about. I think we all wanted you to be in our play. La. Oh, really? Yeah, I think. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what was it? What was it yeah, about then, him? Then, then, then all, all, all my son was cancer. And then yeah, I think, right. I say, okay, okay. Then Nelson must come over to Oxian, which is, I was directing with Chin Huan. What could you see in him that made you think that he would be? I think he was very confident, uh, kind of natural in reading the text to us in the audition. Like, not nervous and, and very at ease, very confident. And that, that, left a, that. that left an impression on us. So tell me about this first theatre production that took place in a swimming pool on the roof of the Pan Pacific Hotel. That was your very first professional play. Yes, yes. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, I say unfortunately because the, the rehearsal was really cold. We, we started by rehearsing in a, in a 
community swimming pool, I think almost into a payo or something. So there was an instructor who, who taught us to do a few kind of things in the pool and all those things. So it was always in the evening and then and then it was cold and the whole rehearsal was like, I, I just remember it's wet and cold. And then eventually when we got transferred to the Pan Pacific swimming pool where, the, where the, there is the actual venue, it was on the rooftop of this hotel and the, and the wind was blowing and then Suntech wasn't even up yet at that moment so the wind wasn't blocked by Suntech City and yeah, it was windy. So the actors yeah. were in the pool? In the pool. Yeah, the entire play. Yes. Why was it in the pool? What's the name of this play? Ocean. It was about four, four, four immortals from north, south, east, west and they decided to create something, uh, an island or something. A, a life form is going to... Be giving birth to li- different life forms and creating human beings, so it's a mythical and is a is a mythical story that we created. After that, Nelson was part of the cast in Tito Tao in 1994. Yes, right? I was. What do you remember about that experience, and what was it like to create something based on your mother's life as a street opera performer? So I think after Ocean, I think um, we, we, we kind of have a poor actor to choose from and then from, from Ocean, then we really wanted Nelson to perform in Tito Tao. And Tito Tao is, a, is all the actors have to play multiple roles. And Nelson has to play uh, my, my mother's father, Paul Liet. And he also has to play Sui Lian, which is the, the opera in the play. And, and Sui Lian is a Hua Tan. And then we, we think, that, oh, it's a good challenge for him. I mean, as a new actor, as a young actor who has huge potential, we think that it's a production that we can carry on working with him and then develop something out from him. So that play about my mother, yes, uh, that was the first staging, 1994. I wrote that play and then luckily, I think a lot of people uh, enjoyed it. And then it went on for 25 years till today. <laughs> still going on, that play. For me, it was a very unforgettable experience. Uh, not, not only because it was my first time, you know, um, encountering like like uh, Hokkien opera, Hokkien street opera, and I didn't know like you know just with a topic like Hokkien street opera and an experience of that, we can actually make a play out of it. So I was young, I I, I didn't know anything about stage play. I was like, wow, Buntik, wow, he wrote this thing. Wow, we can actually stage this with all these costumes and and then we can play multiple roles like this. So it was quite amazing the whole experience for me, and it was if I remember clearly, the play that actually made me kind of made a decision to, to continue in theatre as, as a career. Why? That play just, it was a kind of a full experience for me and, and I thought that, that this is something that I would like to continue doing, being on stage in a way. So then we come to 1995, I have a date with Spring, which is your professional stage debut, right Sharon? Yeah. How did that happen? I went for audition. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody started from auditions. Who was Sharon Ao in 1990? Was it 94 or 95? That was 95. Um, I was a very impressionable young 19-year-old um, flight attendant from Singapore Airlines. I remembered I missed the audition dates. Um, so he sort of gave me an allowance to, to, to audition outside of the, 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 the usual period because I had to go on a flight and I said, do you think you can wait for me to come back? And he said, oh, okay, <laughs> fine. What did you have to do for the audition, do you remember? Well, yes, of course. Because we couldn't find the leading actress during the official period. Like, oh, well, where is she? <laughs> we couldn't find Yao Xiaotie, which is the, the name of the leading role. Little Butterfly. Yeah, little Butterfly, my God. 
Oh, I had to do uh, a three-part thing. I think I had to sing a song, um, which I didn't prepare because it was my first audition. So I didn't realize that I had to be prepared to 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 sing and to give a monologue. And then there was um, singing, uh, dancing, dancing yes, and to dance. So I went there like expecting to be told what to do, but uh, so he said, "Okay, uh, do your singing." And I just sang a very horrible song. I I still remember it's called Jie Shu. It's, it's a duet. <laughs> it's a duet. Please don't, please don't. <laughs> no, so I remember I sang a horrible song. I mean, I didn't do it well. I think, and for the dance part, I danced cha-cha, which was hilarious. Because, you know, oh, 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 and he said, you didn't bring music or scores or anything. I just went empty-handed. Okay. So I danced to my own rhythm, you know. So last but not least, uh, the monologue. I think that saved me. Because um, he said, okay, now do your monologue. So maybe expecting Shakespeare. So I said, oh, what's a monologue? Like, what do I do? So I think he gave up. So he just said, okay, you are. Okay. <laughs> now you, 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 you get a phone call. Imagine you have a phone call. Okay. And it's your boyfriend. And he, he's calling to break up with you. Okay, go. You made it up on the spot. He made it up on the spot. As in, so you he started to imagine a monologue on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. So, but my monologue had not very few words um, because I just listened. So I picked up the phone, an imaginary phone, and I did this. And remember, it was very stupid. And I did this, and uh, and I just said like, "What? You're breaking up with me?" That's all. And for the rest of the whole monologue, I just cried. I just cry and cry and slide down the wall. Really, really, because I, that was the only thing I knew. I watched TV dramas, right? The Cantonese <laughs> actresses, they like to slide down the wall whenever something very bad happens. In, in 1995, that is still acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did, why did she get cast after this audition? I slid down the wall so beautifully. I slid down the wall very gracefully. Yeah. Are you serious? The, I, I, I think that, 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 that little test that I, I, I gave her, she, she, she responded very fast and, and, and it was a good improvisation. I completely believe in the way she talked to that imaginary boyfriend over the other side of the phone and then the reaction after. So I think, oh my God, this, this young girl, she can hang. And, and that's how, 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 how we decided to cast her as the lead for I've Daily Spring. Okay. What was that experience like for you as your first professional production? Life-changing. Um, well, the rapport between uh, the actors on stage and the, the audience really captivated me and that made me want to perform forever. And I was the youngest member, as in also in, in terms of experience. Everybody around me were veterans. So I learned a lot um, from, that, from that shot. I, I remember it was a three months rehearsal. Uh, so I took sabbatical from Singapore Airlines and I just immersed myself into that play a musical and um, yes it, it changed my life I read that you were talent spotted by the TV station from that production is that yes, true? yes yes because uh, it was a 16 night run in the old drama centre for Canning and so in one of the weekends I think um, uh, the, the producers came from at that time it was still TCS Yep, the producers and I think the, 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 the head of artist management, Mr. Mun. So they were all there. And uh, they went backstage to interview me uh, for their own TV show. 
And after interview, they asked if I could go for an audition, uh, a screen test. So it changed your life, right? Kind of. Completely changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your first ever time on stage or you had been doing theatre in school as yeah, a student? I did school plays in Hua Chong, in St. Nicholas. Yes, okay. I did. As an artist, I think maybe more audiences remember you for your TV work. But actually, you have been in seven theatre productions. So, I think so, why have you continued to focus on theatre throughout your career? Even now, when you are no longer yeah, performing anymore. It's the magic. I think it's addictive. It's like drug. <laughs> it's, like, it's a drug. Yeah, it's very magical. And the kind of uh, magic and the kind of bonding you feel with your fellow actors and uh, the whole team, the whole crew. I remember all of us always suffer from post-production blues because we miss the coming together all the way from the props team to the costume. So it, we, we always feel like we belong to a family. And for people like us in the past where we don't really have a proper family at home, stage and theatre group was like the only family we knew where we were able to be very raw and uh, express all our deep, deepest feelings, things that we could disguise as acting, but actually those were the vulnerabilities and uh, the fragilities that we felt in life. Okay, so I also wanted to ask uh, Boon Teik, because you, there was a period when Toy Factory did a lot of um, adaptations of uh, ready or plays that were already being performed elsewhere, right? Then you wanted to shift into original stories. Like, how did this change take place? I think the development of the company artistic direction has been like kind of ongoing and revolving. So we 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 test, we try, and we feel that is that is that really what we want to do? For example, we did like you, you say we stage um uh, written words. It, it worked for us certain at a certain period of the the history in the in a certain period in Toy Factory history. But I think the reason here, I I kind of don't feel that that is what I want to invest a lot of time in. What has been the most challenging and most satisfying thing about moving into original scripts for you? The unknown. The unknown, I think the unknown is rewarding because uh, collectively, theatre is always collective. A, a group of people coming together to talk about a script and then to maybe write together or one of them will write and then to see it from nothing, to see it from a few words to a few lines to a few sentences to a full broom script. I think that's beautiful. And then, and also that this world will be, the original staging is always magical to me because the world is going to see this piece of new work for the first time. So, so, so currently, you know, if I have a choice of doing Doing, you know, creation, I, I, already, I really want to do just original. Yeah. So now I want to ask you guys about playing real people. Maybe we can start with Sharon. Because in 2015, you played Madam Kwa Gyok Chu, who most people may know better as Mrs. Lee Kuan Yew. What was that like for you? Because you said that you feel you're nothing like her. So what was your whole process like? Yeah, because she's like this icon, um, elegant and intelligent and... Many people say the one person, the support behind a great man. And very few materials about her. So as an actor, it was very difficult to, to do research because she was extremely low profiled. Uh, she, she didn't give actually any interviews. So it was very hard to study the way she moves or even speak. And also I'm such a dramatic and expressive person. And so 
Anyway, it's a very daunting role, I think, to play uh, the, the, the mother of the nation. So I was very surprised to read that you, ha- you auditioned for this role. Yeah, I auditioned. Um, I was not the first choice. First choice was obviously Kit Chan. The music was written for her, um, but she couldn't. She was too busy. So then they started to open the, the role to the public. I went for audition, even though I cannot sing, <laughs> as we knew, right from 1995. But I thought I owe it to myself to challenge myself because I, I love performing and that is going to be a role of a lifetime. Of course, I didn't expect uh, to, to, to get the role because the pool of actors uh, going for that role are just so talented and they're all singers. So at that point in your career, you still felt like I'm willing to audition for this part? Yeah, of course. I think all actors audition. Uh, or is it you don't anymore? Am I the only one? <laughs> Did Nelson audition for the Bai Yan role in White Soliloquy? No, like invited. Did no. Invited. no. <laughs> invited. <laughs> I know why I didn't. Cheryl okay. was invited to do Seven Sages too. <laughs> no audition. <laughs> White Soliloquy is uh, based on the life of uh, TV actor Bai Yen and very, very well received, won you quite a few awards. Um, what was it like to play this real person that so many Singaporeans know so well? It was a joy for me, actually. Uh, I, I, I met uh, Bai Yen Su uh, personally. Uh, we went to his house. We, we talked to him. He was very generous in, in sharing his stories and showing us around his house, all his treasures and all his newspaper clippings and, and all these things. And I was thinking at that time, how am I going to play this living person at, at that time who was still alive? Also, I was lucky that I think Bai Yen Su left a very great impression on me. I, I didn't realise it, no, that I actually grew up watching him on TV and all, and all his like, comic skits and all these things. So when I started rehearsal, I quite immediately grasped his kind of, the way he speaks and, and his gestures and all this. And I, I was surprised I was quite comfortable in, in that shell, actually. So all I have to do after that is actually to, to concentrate on playing his spirit, the spirit of an artist struggling in a time where, you know, there's just no stage, no anything. And he made a career for himself coming from China to Singapore. There was no, not much of TV, anything at the moment. You know, they were performing in amusement parks and all this. And all the way until he became a veteran uh, a TV actor. It's the life of an artist, much more than you know, just a life of, of, of an, a TV artist, but life of an artist in a way. Theatre is a mirror of real life in many cases and many instances. So without this real life, I think we can't draw any inspiration to recreate things. So these are materials and, and, you know, if you respect it, if you observe it, I think a lot of beautiful things will happen to me, yeah. So do you consider Seven Sages of the Bamboo Grove based on history or is that historical part of it important to you? We kind of borrow the concept from a historical story. Not many words from the original text. The, the structure is loosely based on the original story and recreated to a future world. I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the original story and created another new story. Maybe you can share a bit more about the original story and then how you have taken that to make your own thing. The original story is about, I think, the in the Wei Jing Nan Bei Chao era when the artists are so tired about the 
politics. They think that it's hopeless. And then they are always being treated like these artists are, you are intellectual, you better come and serve the court. But the artists, are don't, they don't feel that way. They'd rather be drinking and writing poems in the bamboo forest. And that's, that's the way, that's the story. For our version, I think we have designed another world in the future that artists are being very much controlled. The politicians felt threatened by their, their freestyle of vocalising their thoughts and expressing themselves too much. Because while they are so freestyle in expressing themselves, they affect those people who are obedient, who are easier to control. So that is our story. Is it set in the future or the present day? Maybe near future. <laughs> uh, we do see that <coughs> we have more and more surveillance cameras everywhere. So uh, we, we, we do feel that it's, it's a future world, but yet it's not far away. V Nelson and Sharon can share a bit more about your characters. First of all, why did y'all want to sign on to this production? Because they love me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Many reasons. Um, one is that because I, I nowadays I direct more uh, rather than act, but acting is still my first love. You know, so whenever Buntik says, you know, do you have time to, to come back and act? I always like will flip through my schedule and, and try to make it happen. And this time being the 30th anniversary for Toy Factory and such an important play, I, I, I told myself like, you know, I have to come back. I have to come. This is where I started in a way. So it's really like coming home in a way. So, so that's a big draw for me to, to be in this play. Yeah. You know, I must say, um, I'm a huge fan of his. And, and because he just mentioned that he had actually uh, stopped acting and has moved more to directing. So it was a huge disappointment for, for fans like us because I watched him in the previous um, Toy Factory Theatre uh, play uh, called Nan Hai Shi San Lang. And I remember that, that, that play completely um, was mind-blowing. For, for, for an audience and for someone who, who loves to perform as well. Yeah, so it's a waste. So I'm so glad that um, this happened and the icing on the cake is that I can get to be in the same uh, this space. This is the first time. This is the first, first time. time that so can you imagine together. you put a fan yeah. together with <laughs> no, her but, idol? No, but I, I, I've seen Sharon. I mean, we, I know Sharon yep. from a long time ago, but <laughs> we've, we've never crossed paths in Anywhere, right? I know him from the audience yeah. seat. No, not, not, <laughs> no, even, no, no. not even on TV. We, no, we've never crossed never. But this is the yeah. first day of rehearsal, so I'll check yes. back in to see how you're later. Can you tell me a bit about who you guys are playing? Like, who are you playing? Uh, I'm playing uh, uh, Ranji, one of the seven sages. And uh, he, in the play, he, he's, a, he's a great musician. So he, he composed a, a, lo- a lot of uh, songs and all those things. So, and, and he's, he's one of the kind of person who, like, who really doesn't care too much about the system being, being uh, you know, restraining him and all this. You know, he has his own ways and all. But of course, the, the, the tragedy being that the system is the system. You know, there's something about it that, that you can't get away from. And so that's, that's where his struggle lies. And Cheryl, why did you want to be a part of this even though you are living in Paris <laughs> now? I don't even know how that's possible. Magic, you know. <laughs> where there's a will, there's a way. No, it all started, same thing. It was the 30th anniversary celebration and I was told to write a little article about how it felt to be um, reborn from a Toy Factory in 1995. So I was writing and uh, I, I became very moved by my own words. <laughs> <laughs> And then I submitted, and then uh, um, to Buntik, to um, so that it can be published. And and I, talk, I asked him, "What else do you need? You know, I, I can do anything to 
help. He said, uh, like, oh, I'm doing a play, but there's, there's no way you can do because you're in Paris. So I said, okay, is there a small role where I can just walk past? So can I be involved? I mean, part of being theatre is you can play any role. Uh, you can be backstage. You will, you will feel the same magic. So I just wanted to be part of that 30th anniversary. And then he said, let me think about it. And the next thing I knew, he asked his stage manager to send me a script and say, can you play this, this, this role? And I realized there's a lot of speaking parts and it's not a walking role. <laughs> and I probably need to quit my job. I could balance my job because of the time difference. So I, I flew back and uh, this is my first day of rehearsal. I flew back two days ago. So you're going to be here for a whole month? Until the last day of the performance and I fly away the next day. Wow. How do you tell your office that this is what you want to do for one month? Oh, they are French. They accept anything. They don't work for three months. They go on strike, uh, you know. You know, the, the French, you tell them anything. They just go like, oh, yeah, c'est la vie. Oh, you're not okay. Oh, you're acting oh, okay. Oh, but she's, you're not boring. Stopping. It's time different, so she will work after rehearsal. Yeah, I still work. <laughs> or before rehearsal. Yeah. Yep. But was it worth all the extra hours so far? Already, I was taking a nap while they went for lunch. What is your character? Is one character or multiple? You, one, one. It's one character. Yes. Okay, tell, tell us about your character. Oh, I play the system. The system that is... You play the system. <laughs> I'm the... The system. I'm the iOS. <laughs> How does one play a system? I don't know. You shall see. There's a challenge. That's why. That's why we you're confident. We shall not question the and, system. And this system... Very clever. And this system doesn't sing or dance, so don't worry. Just buy tickets and watch. <laughs> You wrote a character that is the system. <laughs> She's the head of the system, the organization. I created, the, you know, I control their brains and their minds with things like this. <laughs> Anything else you want to share about Seven Sages? It's quite a special production for me because, uh, as they mentioned, it's the 30th anniversary celebration productions. And also because of this 30th anniversary, I think uh, like the entire synergy is like kind of intense but in a beautiful way that everybody are giving like 200 or 300% of things like, like yeah, to, to, to really make it work. So like today is the first rehearsal, but I mean, over the last three months, you know, every department are working so hard to create the best costume, the best multimedia design, the best lighting. You know, like everybody again so much. I'm very, very grateful to everyone cast crew designer everyone and hopefully uh, this piece of work will come out strong and beautiful I wanted to ask you about uh, one of the things that you guys describe on your website talking about this production is that you hope to ignite a collective ongoing conversation about what is the significance of the existence of the arts in our future yes right why yes. do you want to ask this question now I think it's a question that require constant reminder you know like sometimes we take us for granted we just think that it's a it's a, it's a pastime a pleasure for people who are rich or you know like has spare time it's not I think art, it has to be deeply rooted in everybody's life, you know, like for anyone in order to live a better life, they have to be, have some kind of knowledge of art and to be creative and, and, and then to, to manipulate or control their life or change their life in a certain way, in an artistic way even. And even then when you are in your lowest moment that you have no more energy, you need music. So it's not a pastime, it's not a hobby, it's not, it has to be reminded that it's part of our living system, yeah. So you're trying to remind the audience? 
will remind anyone who come to my show or don't come to my show. Is <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, remind everyone. I hope the audience will share the the, the 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 idea too. What is the significance of the arts in your future, in all your futures? What do you think? I wish that I can continue working in this because I really love theatre and then people are always asking me when are you going to become a movie director I say no uh, I'm a theatre director why I have to become a movie director <laughs> I, I've, I, I'm always a little bit offended in that way so but yeah I wish I can work in theatre for as long as I can How about you guys? For me my life campaign is to is also to tell people that, that art is actually part of your life I'm not sure if, if a society can go on probably a society can go on without art Probably, but I, I do know that a society will be much better with art. So that is, that is something I want to see in the future. And I want to see my children living in a world, in a society that is full of art and part of art. Actually, yeah. This really uh, strike a, a chord in me because ever since I moved to Paris, uh, I really feel the difference. Because France being a country where they are so influenced by their history, and arts, it completely changes the way they live and appreciate life. They don't seek fame or wealth as aggressively as the Asian counterparts. To me, it was heaven and earth. <laughs> I shan't say hell, but the contrast between Singapore and the way we value our arts and our artists is really a far cry from the way they respect the people who perform and who create uh, over there. Uh, and so that's why, you know, for example, if you don't work for three months, to them it's fine. But if you don't create for three months, that's when they get very defensive and angry. So it, it, you see that the mentality is very different. Uh, people there, they live on the passion. So you will see starving artists but the word starving is, uh, is, of course, an exaggeration. But you will see people living from uh, hand to mouth, but happiest souls in the world. Because they are creating every day. They don't care what they are wearing or whether they, they, they have a car or, you know. In fact, if they have two legs, they walk, they can go anywhere and perform and reach out to people. So do you find that that has changed you as a person? Yes, yes. Because... Um, as you, as you see, throughout my career, uh, I've always been in the chase, in the corporate chase, in the chase for the usual things Singaporeans chase for. But at six times in my life, I get drawn back to theatre whenever I feel that I was getting too hollow and oh, shallow. Oh, really? Is that why? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Because without it, I couldn't go on with my usual pursuit of uh, wealth. It's going to be the 30th anniversary of Toy Factory next year. And since you guys were all present at the beginning, Buntik obviously was present at the beginning of the company, I wanted to ask you, what do you think are your proudest achievements over the last 30 years for this company? I think the, the most meaningful thing that is happening in Toy Factory is that we are a platform for artists to create. Artists can come in and can go, no obligation. I mean, they can stay as long as they want with us or, you know, they choose to work with us shortly. And, and, and that's something very valuable to us in our, in our objective. And then there are always certain moments that, that are very memorable. Like in 2003, Nelson and I, we went to Japan and we worked with these Japanese and then we created a production called Prism and it toured six countries. And that has always held a very special place in my heart. 
and also in 2006 working closely with Beatrice that time and then she is our first production cabaret we brought cabaret into Esplanade Theatre with Fei Xiang and he did very well so that that's always a very uh, highlight of Toy Factory uh, achievement and I think another production that I can recall which was very well received is also working with Esplanade in 2010 uh, December Rains I think it sold 24,000 tickets. I think it's a huge number for Chinese theatre and I, I, I really want a lot of audience that continue to support Chinese theatre and I really hope that 24,000 24, audience will, will continue to grow and grow. So what are your goals or your hopes for the next decade? Oh, uh, um, nothing fixed. I just hope that I can direct less and write more. Oh, you want to write more? Uh, okay, why? Yeah. Because directing is so tiring. Writing is not tiring. <laughs> right, writing is quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the aircon room, in the com- you can write in front anywhere. Of computer, yeah. Oh, you want to and write then more? play okay. nice music and then write on my own. Uh, yeah, so yes. Yeah. What are your hopes for Toy Factory for the next decade? Actually, I hope there are more groups like Toy Factory. More, more groups in the future, like Toy Factory, you know, more groups can come up, be formed. Toy Factory, to me, uh, it's a place where I am constantly reminded how courageous we were and we are. You know, always back here, I see Bundek or you know, people in Toy Factory doing this and that. And I get inspired. And in my own work, I, I create in a way like I'm unafraid of anything. And that's where I draw that kind of a strength and inspiration. I hope in, actually in the future, more young people would learn actually from veteran companies like that, that kind of spirit. And, and don't be afraid. I mean, there, there are many hurdles nowadays, you know, money, structure, funding and all those things. But circumstances have become much better than last time. So young people should learn from these groups and, and make the first step, step out and, and, and do something. How about Sharon? Any hopes for Toy Factory for the next decade? I hope they continue to do what they do best, which is, to me, they are this company that discovers and nurtures newcomers and make them into stars. I mean, you look at me and Nelson, uh, we are two very good examples. Uh, We were nobody, we were inexperienced, but Buntek has this statistic streak in him that he always liked to cast unknowns, newcomers and inexperienced people in the biggest role of their lifetime. Is that true? Really? You look at his lead roles, you look at the, the roles he... he yes! And I realised through the years, he is always giving opportunities to um, people with no experiences. And that's how... You know, you, you give uh, chances to the next wave and he nurtures them and from nothing. And then you see them a few years later, they are heading their own act. They are doing, the, they are doing their own theatre company or they are starring in their own show. They have blossomed. Making a Scene is produced by Esplanade Theatres on the Bay, Singapore's National Performing Arts Centre. Look for more episodes and transcripts of Making a Scene at esplanade.com slash offstage and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations with art makers.